Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, welcome to Ayers on the Road with Richard and Linda Ayer. We're glad to be with you. We kind of look forward to this every week. It gives us a chance to talk to each other as well as to you. <laughs> it does, and uh, we always have fun doing this. Wherever you are, we welcome you. Um, we love BYU Radio because it reaches the reach is amazing. We just think nobody's out there, and then somebody said, "No, I heard you from Saudi Arabia. No, I heard you from Brazil." Yeah, it's great. Um, it's really fun. It's like it's like throwing it out and knowing that lots of people are hearing it, but not knowing who they are and not being able to see their faces. But we would like you, whenever you listen, just to imagine that we're sitting down to breakfast together, or we're just across the table from each other. We're just talking. We're talking about our kids, talking about our families, talking about our frustrations, talking about how hard it is sometimes to raise families in today's world and trying to get ideas from each other to make us better parents and better marriage partners and basically doing better at our top priority. Absolutely. We are uh, on the road a lot, but we have come home from Hawaii. Those of you who have been listening, we, we were in Hawaii for five or six weeks, and we are home. We are cracking up, crinkling up, rolling up <laughs> back to Salt Lake City, winter that is so dry, but we are happy to be here. Boy, when we came home, it was a juxtaposition. It was going from 82 degrees to minus two degrees, and we had eight feet of snow on the roof of our house, but I think we've told you that, so... Here's the deal for today, Linda, the word serendipity, and we're going to call the show Serendipitous Parenting, right. and that may sound a little strange to some of you, but honestly, I'm going to just say this, Linda, if someone asked me what is the single thing that makes a good parent, or the single quality that all sort of good parents seem to have, I would honestly say it's this quality of serendipity, of being able to relish the unexpected and seize on teaching moments and opportunities and understand that kids don't always behave as you would like them to and that your schedule won't always go as you planned it on your planner. Things will come and go unexpectedly. And that if you look for the good and the exciting and the opportunistic within the flow of each day, that's what kind of makes really good, honest communication happen. And that's what kind of brings children into your orbit of you really focusing on them and really seeing their needs as they actually materialize. Before we go too far, um, we need to give them some background on this, Richard, because yeah, this is pretty complicated. It's simple once you know what it's doing, but we need to go back a little bit. We need to explain what we're talking about. I have to say that I am married to a crazy, wacky, exciting, interesting, serendipitous guy. And the reason that he loves serendipity is because it it's about finding the joy in life and finding uh, things that you wouldn't otherwise see. And we started on this a long time ago, and you became so serious about serendipity and the importance of serendipity in our lives that at one point we were living in England with all our kids, and we moved on to to Serendip, which is 
Sri Lanka um, for <laughs> well, a week and we did some research. We, we, well, we started writing a book there on serendipity because the ancient name of the Isle of Sri Lanka is Serendip. And what you failed to mention, Linda, is the, the reason we were in London at that time, part of the reason was to go to the British Museum and get one of the few existing copies in the world of an ancient fable called The Three Princes of Serendip, written by an ancient, who knows, anonymous author, but discovered by Horace Walpole, a the son of the British Prime Minister, who, in a way we'll talk to you about in a minute, coined a new word, serendipity, and named it after Serendip, the ancient name of the Isle of Sri Lanka, and after these three princes of Serendip, which were in this fable. So what we're going to do today on the show is we're going to spend the first half, before we take a break, explaining a little what serendipity is, and the second half of the show, applying it to parenting and applying it to families, because it is such a useful concept. And so, Linda, let's let's well, dive let, into it. Okay, let's do. I, I'm just one more thing about how serious you were about this. You wanted to name our first child serendipity. <laughs> and I put my foot down and said, we are not naming our child serendipity. People will call her dippity, and we will not have it. <laughs> well, so. you're, you're lucky our first child was a girl and not a boy, because I wanted to name, if it was, I wanted to name him Horace, which was Horace Walpole, the person who coined this word. Now, this is getting weird. We better, we better really let you know. Um, on this book we wrote called Spiritual Serendipity, by the way, the subtitle is Cultivating and Celebrating the Art of the Unexpected. And that means a lot, doesn't it, Linda? Because that's, that's basically what we're trying to say is if you cultivate and relish and make it an art, the unexpected, rather than resisting it and resenting it, that makes you a person who sees the needs of your children and your family and responds to them, even when they don't conform to the way you wanted it to happen. Right? Well, it's really an exciting concept. I am a good student, and I have really worked on this along with Richard and we have had so much fun. Well, I think you're this. more than a good student. You're naturally serendipitous. I tend to be too much of a planner and a controller and wanting things happen just the way I want them to. And you, on the other hand, are able to go with the flow. And I've learned a lot from you. But let's give you the definition, first of all, because there's a lot of false concepts out there of serendipity. People think it means luck or it means fate. really doesn't mean those things at all. Horace Walpole, the coiner of the word, defined it this way. He said, serendipity is a state of mind whereby a person, through awareness and sensitivity, frequently finds something better than the thing he was seeking. In other words, you have your goals, you make your list, you try to do things the way you want them to happen, but when they don't, you're sensitive enough and aware enough that you see opportunities and you see beauty and you see teaching moments and you go with the flow. So if you're in working on something and, and a little child comes in and wants to play, you can't say, ah, oh, just let me pencil you in for tomorrow. You've got to be serendipitous enough to drop what you're doing and take that moment, seize that moment. It's like the old adage that our parents used to say to us, never put off till tomorrow that which you can do today. We've got to turn that around and say, 
always put off, a put offable in favor of a now or never. When a child needs you, when there's a teaching moment, when there's a situation that you didn't plan on, you can usually put off the thing you were working on and respond to that child or that need. That makes sense? Um, it does to me. I hope it makes sense to the, to the listeners. But it is really an important part of life. I tend to just stick my nose to the grindstone and get the job done. When I get up in the morning, I am focused on my list of things to do, especially when the kids were home. Now I'm more flexible. But Well, the but even then, home. Linda, I remember you you were my model because when you, you'd have your list and you'd be trying to do certain things, but when a child needed you, boom, you were there for that child. You would put off that other thing and you would be serendipitous enough to respond to that need. Oh, you're so nice. That happens, you know, half the time maybe, but the other half of it, like, you know, Get out of my way. I've got to get this done. Go play. <laughs> and uh, and I do think that it's something that you really have to develop. Is Some people are naturally more serendipitous. Excuse me. I think we made that word up. But And some people are just, it's really hard to turn their mind around and think about the people on the sides of them while but, they're but plowing through. Getting back to what you said about how serious we got about this book, let me read you just about this word. And it's so serious that we wrote this book, Spiritual Serendipity, about it. But... Let me just read you from the foreword of the book. We're sitting there in Sri Lanka. And so it says, as as I write, I'm sitting on the veranda of a room in Sri Lanka, looking out through the jungle toward the beach, watching a man lead his elephant into the sea for a bath. Perhaps it is a rather extreme approach, but I've come here halfway around the world to this teardrop-shaped island in the Indian Ocean to explore the origins and the deeper meanings of my favorite word, serendipity, and to write a book I hope to share the power of these meanings with others. Serendipity, a word coined by 18th century British writer Horace Walpole, suggests an attitude of mind and heart that can give people the means to move from where they are to where they want to be, and perhaps even to where, from where they are to where God wants them to be. So from the very beginning, Linda, we saw this as a spiritual word. We took Walpole's word and added this dimension of the spirit to it, because the greatest serendipity comes from nudges and inspirations and impressions that come from a higher intelligence into our intelligence. Exactly. And just to add a little color and background, while you were sitting on the veranda in Sri Lanka watching the guy give it, the <laughs> elephant his bath, I was in the Indian Ocean. I was right there and I looked over and there was this huge elephant about 30 yards from me, 20 yards from me. And... Um, and then I looked around where I was swimming, and there was all this stuff floating in the water by me. And I thought, I wonder what that is. And then suddenly it dawned on me, elephant doo-doo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, it was floating everywhere. I just smiled at the guy, and I just walked right out and went to the shower. <laughs> but it really is true that there is, I mean, that's silly, but, you know, it's true that there's a dimension to this that's hard to get unless you're really concentrating on it. Well, and I think we should say that serendipity works on the macro as well as the micro. Most of what we're talking about today is the micro, little things that come up that you notice. But think of serendipity as a big thing for a minute and how, how the notion of serendipity of valuable discoveries made while seeking something <laughs> else can be illustrated by so in almost every field in medicine 
Alexander Fleming left a window open and the wind blew some contaminants in on his culture, on his Petri dish. Some mold actually blew in and he was the one who noticed that that mold was killing the bacteria. And out of that observation, out of that awareness, came penicillin. In physics, a man named Wilhelm Rodigen, who was experimenting with electricity in vacuum tubes, noticed the fluorescence in a barium screen that happened to be lying near. He found that this radiation could pass through substances opaque to ordinary light, ended up inventing the X-ray. In chemistry, Charles Goodyear, who had for years tried to take the stickiness out of rubber, one night by chance left something on the stove. It boiled over, the heat vulcanized it, and he learned how to make useful rubber. A music teacher named Robert Fawkes, walking home through a dense fog, heard his daughter playing the piano, but only one note came through the fog. He used that one note to, to develop the foghorn, which was an important nautical device. Robert Watson observed that overhead aircraft gave reflected signals from radio waves and ended up discovering radar. Phoenician sailors used lamps of saltpeter for their cooking kettles. When they melted and ran over, they produced glass. Almost everything that was discovered was some form of serendipity where someone wasn't seeking that particular thing, might have been seeking something entirely different, but was aware enough and sensitive enough to notice something that everyone else missed. And out of that came something wonderful. And all of us in our lives have little things where if we just notice something, a lot of business people will tell you, I just noticed one little thing and out of that grew this company. So this serendipity can be a big, big concept that changes the world, but it can also be a little concept where you notice something in one you love. You notice a need, you notice a feeling, you're aware, you're sensitive, and you're willing, this is the big thing, Linda, you're willing to take a diversion from whatever it is you're working on, from the list you're trying to check off. You're willing to go sideways and meet the need or take the opportunity or notice the beauty or pursue the idea that just comes to you out of nowhere. And we have really uh, worked on this. We've gone up and down just a little bit, but we have really worked on incorporating this into our lives. And we actually have a little um, book that we carry around with us, a planner, uh, just a small one. It's called the Anti-Planner, actually. Um, but it's called, uh, it has life balance on the first of it. But there's a place for the to-do things on each page on the left side. And then the right, right side. right. We have been recording our serendipities because you can't plan that when you wake up in the morning. You can't plan that you're going to have a diversion that's going to teach you something or something. But you can write it down at the end of the day to remember what happened to you. And it really is incredible what happened. And we're out of time for the first half, but ponder that for a minute. We'll be right back after this break and talk about applying this idea of serendipity to your family, to your parenting, to your marriage. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about something that we may have mentioned before, but in detail, we're talking about serendipity today. 
Well, and again, I mentioned that this comes from a fable. We won't get deep into it, but we are going to give you a way to get this book for free if you're interested uh, toward the end of the show because it is spiritual serendipity. And the only thing I want to say, Linda, before we get into applying it to family, it was really interesting, this fable. I, I found it and retranslated it. I didn't translate from Persian. I translated from an old <laughs> English translation. And essentially, it's the story of these three princes who go out to find their fortune, like all princes do, right, honey? Right. And none of them found their fortune, but they all found something better than what they were looking for. One found love, one found loyalty, and so on. And Walpole, reading this old fable, said, we don't have a word for that in the English language. I'll coin a new word, serendipity. I'll name it after these three princes of serendip. And so he defined it, as I mentioned earlier, as a state of mind whereby a person through awareness and sensitivity frequently finds something better than that which he was seeking. So this isn't just sort of walking around seeing what happens. Something better than what you were seeking. So you have a list. You're trying to do things. You're being proactive. But you are sensitive and aware enough that you're willing to leave that list when something else comes up that makes more sense. And so we love it. And I just want to read you one. Here's here's what serendipity can do for you real quickly. It can relax you, reduce your frustration and stress. It can increase life's excitement, remove boredom. It can sensitize you to beauty. It can orient you to ideas. It can make you more people-oriented, less thing-oriented. It can strengthen your beliefs in the divine. And let you see more of life's amusements and ironies, make you more flexible, more spontaneous and fun, make your life longer. Whoa, that's a good one. Well, time seems to slow down when you have this attitude. Give you peace and joy and make you a better parent, a better spouse, and a better friend. So that's the transition. How does serendipity make you a better spouse and a better parent? Well, you know, I think it just helps you to live in the moment. And I'm just going to share a serendipity that I had when we were in Hawaii. Uh, I went to our son's house, which is about 50 yards away, and just asking to borrow something. And I walked through there, and I went into the backyard, and he was out there making orange juice. They have an orange (laughs) tree in the backyard. And oranges just fall down every day. If they don't fall down, he shakes the tree a little bit. And and then there's mandarins, too. They're fabulous. He just shakes the tree. And then he has this big um, uh, table out in the back that is just made for that and uh, a squasher and he was out there making orange juice and he was just about up to a gallon and I thought oh, I gotta hurry because I gotta get what I need and get back and then I suddenly I just relaxed and looked at what was happening he was making liquid gold it was far more interesting than what you'd planned oh to my do. goodness it was so beautiful the sun was coming in the orange juice was coming out I I, I started slicing oranges along with the 13 year old and and we we were just working together, and it was just a glorious moment in the day. It was just beautiful. I'll remember that in my mind forever. And we miss those moments if we're so focused on our little list or the things we have to do. And we, we might also miss the need of a child or a teaching moment when the child's asking a question. And we're like, don't bother me. I'm too busy with this thing I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think if we're just aware... And able to break away from our list and things that we feel like we need to do and really settle in. It really makes a huge difference in your day. What if you're sitting there, one one example we used in the book, it's tax day, it's April 15th. 
you're working on your taxes. You have to get them done. You have to mail it that night. And in comes your little seven-year-old with a kite and says, Daddy, the wind is blowing. Will you come out and fly this kite with me? And you're like, oh, no, I can't do that. I've got to finish my taxes. You'll have to go play. Just go away. Just don't bother me and so on. And, and, you know, that's just a, a simple thing that happens in one form or another all the time. What if you were to just say, I need a break anyway, put that aside for a minute. The post office is open till midnight. Come on, go out with the kid, fly the kite, talk with that child, get to know him, be a child with him, you know? Speaking of the kite, I, I we, we had a little next door neighbor who Jonah liked to play with all the time. His name is Chad. And they were out flying a kite one day on our street. And so he had a really serendipity <clears throat> idea. They The kite caught in the top of a huge pine tree. I mean, it was 50 feet high. And it just caught caught up there. And I just happened to go out and see what I could do to help him. And Chad looked up and says, well, there's only one thing to do. Chop it down. (laughs) Well, that would have been serendipity. (laughs) It was worth just hearing that. Those little processes that went through his mind thinking, well, we got to have that kite. We got to get it down. You know, I saw, it's been a while ago, but it just came back to me. Something you said reminded me there was a, uh, now I'm, I'm partial to examples with dads, obviously. And this, this, I didn't know the guy. He was just lived on our street in Virginia. He's walking along the street holding the hand of his little boy. And this little kid came to a puddle and he just stomped right in it <laughs> like any kid would do. <laughs> And I thought, and the, I thought the dad would do the typical parent thing and just grab that little kid and hold him up and say, "You're ruining your shoes. Don't go in a puddle or whatever." But this was a serendipity dad. It was a beautiful spring day, and the birds were chirping. And it was—I guess he wasn't in too big a hurry because he took that little child out of the puddle and took the kid's shoes off. And then he took his own shoes off, this dad, and both of them stomped around in the puddle. And I thought, look at the joy they're having. Look at that moment they just created just because the dad was not, he was serendipity. He wasn't, you know, trying to get past the things he didn't plan. He was looking for things that were fun and that were spontaneous. Right. It it really is fun. And if, you know, it can pass by you so easily. It's just, and that moment's gone. You never, you'll never capture it again. But if you go out in the morning thinking, I am going to be looking for serendipity today, it is amazing how many things happen. You used to tell people when we were speaking to audiences all over the world, you said, just go out there and have eight serendipities. And I'm like, <laughs> honey, you can, you've been thinking about this a long time. Start with two. And then see what happens by the end of the day. Well, the point is, though, when you do write them down, there's something really powerful about that. They'll always be in the past tense. That's what's interesting. When you're doing your planning, it's always the future tense, right? Go to the meeting, pick up the child, write the memo, finish the, the document. It's all planning. It's all future. And that's all good. Because, again, serendipity works off of that. That's a track to run on. But then while you're doing it, you're watching for things that are better than that which you are seeking. And it's neat to write them down. They'll be in the past tense, you know. Stop to watch a sunset. Got a good idea. Flew the kite with Billy. Took off my shoes and stomped in the puddle. These little things that happen, if you write them down, then what's interesting and, and it also makes you a better parent because you're observing your kids. Some of the serendipities are just the cute, funny things that kids say. 
it makes you appreciate it more and you gradually sort of get better and better at watching for those little serendipities to happen. Right. And actually, it makes the kids more open, too, that if they know that we're looking for that kind of stuff. Um, we have a little grandson who broke his arm last week in Hawaii. <laughs> and his father put him on uh, Marco Polo. And he is all wrapped up in this strap because it's the top of his arm. He broke it right through. And um, so he, his dad said, tell, tell the family what happened. And he starts, he bursts out in song. He starts singing. He sings, I broke my arm. I, I think he was still under the anesthesia or something. It was so funny. And so we wrote that down. That was a serendipity for the day. And it went along with some other things that had happened that day. And you keep track of them. And you just try to cultivate this, this art of the unexpected. And, and you become better and better at it. It's just a wonderful thing. Oh, I wish I had written down all the cute things that our kids said. Because you just think, oh, how could he have thought of that? How did that come out of her mouth? I can't believe it. And then you forget it by the end of the day if you don't write it down. It's so important. Well, don't you think, Linda, as, we get, as, as, as anyone gets a little older, we start, if we're not careful, losing our spontaneity, right? Right. We just, we get so, we're so structured and we... We have so much to do, and we just don't have time for any nonsense, and we just press ahead with it. And part of the idea of serendipity is loosening up a little, and that's what makes family fun together. I mean, I'm thinking of a family that told us the other day that they were, you know, it was the end of the day, and the kids were all in their pajamas, and they were trying to get them in bed, but they'd had a pretty good day. And and for some reason, they just felt like they had to break it up and, and break the the heaviness of the day, and and they just threw them in the car in their pajamas, ran down, got an ice cream cone, came back home, and everyone was laughing, and it was fun, and they got past some of the discipline worries they'd had, and the kids got in bed a half hour late, but everyone was happy, and they recovered this sort of spontaneous serendipity that we tend to lose. Yeah. You've mentioned a lot of things that um, the dad normally has to do that are worrisome then there are a lot of things that the mom has to do that are a little bit different and I think each have to figure out what how when we're going to stop and watch for the things in our daily life that are interesting and and exciting I was sitting here um before we left for Hawaii I needed to get a hold of a woman and um in the kitchen doing the dishes and the kids were here and somebody knocked at the door opened the door and it was the, he said, Oh, I'm sorry. This is the wrong one. You know, my mother lives in, you know, a, a different apartment. I'm so sorry to bother you. So sorry. And we said, wait a minute, who is your mother? And his mother was the woman I was trying to get a hold of before I <laughs> left. And it was, it was so unbelievably serendipitous. Because and, and that's probably because you were, you were attracting that serendipity just by having that attitude of mind Let's wrap up the next couple of minutes, Linda, with the spiritual aspect of serendipity because, you know, Walpole didn't contemplate this. He, he just thought it was something that comes to you through awareness and sensitivity. But add a third dimension that a lot of times serendipity is inspiration. It's guidance. It's a nudge. Right. It's a prompting that you get from the spirit, from some higher intelligence. And acting on that is so critical. And when we ask for help in our parenting, as we all do, I mean, no one prays harder than a parent 
who's trying to help a child. And the answer doesn't always come instantly, but if you're, if you're looking for it, waiting for an impression, waiting for a feeling, sometimes those can be the greatest serendipities of all. In fact, let me, let me throw a scripture in here. There's a scripture in the book of James that I think actually talks about serendipity, although not by name. And it says this, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and celebrate there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Then the next verse, Whereas ye know not what the morrow will bring. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I think what that scripture is saying is it's fine to have plans and goals and go after them, but be aware that something better may come on and pray and watch. That's another scripture. Watch and pray, and it will lead you to serendipity. It will make you a better parent and a better spouse and a happier person. So good luck. Give it a try, and we'll see you next time. And get the book for free at IrsFreeBooks.com, Spiritual Serendipity. Yeah, and we'll see you next time on (laughs) Ayers on the Road. We love you all. Have a good week. Bye-bye.